This podcast is hosted by Chris Finkston and Spencer Oliver. They are both experienced paramedics. They've done everything from 911 ground ambulance to volunteer fire department work and are both currently flight paramedics. This podcast reviews scenarios based on real calls run by real out-of-hospital clinicians. Details are changed to protect the privacy of those involved and to present educational opportunities to the listener. This podcast is EMS 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to... uh... Welcome to this fucking show. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's the mood. I think that's, it sets the tone nicely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I love is the Guardian CME edit is going to be like, welcome to this EMS 2020 show. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what it's going to have to be. Uh, but yeah, everyone, welcome to another episode of EMS 2020. Uh, we actually delayed recording this episode because uh, Spencer was sick. Uh, yeah. And then we decided that we're going to record it on a day that we're both sick because we're out of yep. time. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was yeah. either this or don't. And uh, Right. And, uh, and we know you guys wouldn't be happy with don't. And we apparently yeah. don't have much care for our own personal safety. So, yeah, my sore throat can just fucking eat a dick. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, welcome to EMS 2020. It's the show where uh, myself, Christopher, and that person, Spencer, uh, yeah. we review real calls that you guys actually send in to us. Uh, that's going to be changing how you do that soon, by the way. Uh, up until Ooh, for the yeah. next, yeah, for the next two weeks, keep using the email address, which is uh, EMS 2020 show at gmail.com. Uh, I know. No, no, no. EMS 2020 podcast at yeah. gmail.com. See, that's why we're not going to do it anymore. Cause apparently I can't remember. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I just kicked the shit out of my mic too. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's EMS 2020 podcast at gmail.com. That is where you will send your calls for the next two weeks. Uh, but then after that, we're going to have a form that you just go click the form. You fill out the prompts and that's going to help us really kind of get through some of these and sort these things better. Uh, Cause there's a lot. Um, and yeah, uh, this will make so, it easy. So, the problem is, is people send us calls and then sometimes they show up in our like, you know, the the weird, it's not spam, but it's like, hey, this is a mail you're not going to read anyway. Promotional, right. you know? Yeah. And then I, I found calls that I've actually used in <laughs> that folder. So, uh, I think it's yeah. just like some of the, because, you know, a lot of people put words like, hey guys, you'll be really interested in this. And then Gmail's like, interested in what? Yeah. Thanks, promotion. <laughs> Go here. <laughs> So yeah, there's that. Also, please head on over to guardiancme.com. That is where you can listen to EMS 2020 shows, among uh, other creators as well, and get free continuing education. That's right, free. It's not like, uh, and it's not like paywall free where you like, you know, get like two free ones and then you have to pay for more. It's free CE for your certification that's CAPC accredited. And so it will count. Uh, And also if, uh, if you're going to do that, you should go do it now. So you don't have to listen to this episode twice uh, because you do have to listen to the episode on that platform to get the CE uh, and take the test at the end. And then, uh, then yeah, you're good. Also I want to point out if you're also (laughs) like the handful of listeners and that one guy that reviewed us poorly, because uh, you don't like the banter and the swearing. Uh, we cut most of that stuff out on the Guardian CME edition. So yeah, there you go. You can go ahead on over there and listen to that. <laughs> so I do want to point out that after, so our last episode, I want to say it was like a record setting. Uh, we had almost three and a half hours of stuff to cut down to. And I managed to cut it down to like two and a half hours for you guys here. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't want anyone to listen to this episode because... I I wanted to do poorly. So we'd be like, yeah, let's not do episodes that long. Uh, 
currently our number one week one record setter. <laughs> yeah. Like an episode, like not yeah. even by a small margin either. Like it crushed every other episode for the week <laughs> one numbers. I'm just like, it's, no, all I, I think I, I think I've texted Chris twice. Like, yeah. So three hour episodes from now on, yeah. baby, that's because you've had editing. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of editing. And I have to edit it twice now, by the way, one, one for here and one for guardian CME. So <laughs> That was, a, that was a lot of work that came with that episode. But uh, yeah. All right. Rapid sequence information. Um, actually, before we even get to rapid sequence information, I do want to drop our social media here. We have um, there. We're, we're on Facebook at EMS 20 slash 20. And you can find us on Instagram at EMS 2020 show. And each and every call gets its own uh, post on our social media. So you can go there to uh, to talk to us and play along and tell us what you think. Tell us how wrong we, are, we were or how right we are. Um, we have merch. <laughs> we do we do we wow merch. if you go to our yeah. uh, there's a beacons link in the in the bio on our instagram and on our facebook that'll send you to the merch page so you can go buy merch uh that's a good yeah. place to buy merch and then also rapid sequence information is our youtube channel head out over there and check it out we have we talk about rhode island and their gut tubes that seems to be one of our more popular ones we also recently put up one where spencer and i uh discuss which is better, private ambulance companies or like fire departments, public uh, public ambulance companies? And uh, yeah, that one's that one's a lot of fun, and it got some reactions from you guys, so we appreciate that. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I think that's it for plugs, yeah. right? We can go on to the thing. Yeah, let's go on to the thing. Let's do the thing. All, All right. right. Yeah. So, uh, what do you got? So, I know I've said this on a few episodes. Um, I usually come in cold. Lately, I've been coming in ice cold because I've been working on rapid sequence information throughout the week. Yeah. And so this one, I'm super cold. All I know is that Spencer have told me, has told me that this episode is, and I quote, awesome. And yeah. I'm a little bit worried because I don't know if he means awesome as in like it's going to be a good call or awesome as in like I'm going to rant. Like that this is going to mm, be mm, something mm. I hate. Yeah. No, this is going to be good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that still is yeah. narrowed down. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's music to my ears. All right. Well, uh, hey, so <laughs> here's what we've got going on. Uh, the driving points of this episode or the things that you should probably kind of keep an eye out on are uh, some resource utilization things uh, based on this system. And then, of course, the mystery lesson that I can't give away. Uh, but I'm curious if you guys will catch on to it and more curious if Chris will catch on to it. Oh, I man. hope you don't. I hope you choke. All right, here we go. <laughs> well, you know what? Like I, if this, if this calls a NyQuil overdose, I'll probably guess it right away. <laughs> Just be like, no, I know these signs and symptoms. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about who provided us this week's call. Uh, I have dubbed this person the Bee Gees. Okay. This, I like yeah. the, some musical uh, references. Exactly. You yeah, should have gone with uh, Disturbed, Down with the Sickness. I think that would yeah, have no. been better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. damn you, Guardian CME, for preventing us from changing the title of this song. <laughs> we have Your to plan more. This. We have to plan uh, more with Guardian CME. All right. So we're going to be sick <laughs> that week. And yeah, uh, right. we just got to. Yeah. Mm, all right. All right. So anyway, this call uh, comes to us from a now paramedic, but then EMT. And you've already know, I've already said I've dubbed them the Bee Gees. Uh, at the time of this call, the Bee Gees had been uh, keeping patients and disco alive for about three years. <laughs> nice. All in the same 911 EMS system. They are partnered 
with a multi-decade EMT I've dubbed the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles was at one point an EMT intermediate, but decided to revert to an EMT level. And I'm presuming just to kind of finish out their career. Okay, gotcha. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So the Bee Gees and the Beatles work for a fire department that I'm calling Owl City. Uh, they they do BLS transports for the county, but similar to other systems we've reviewed, they do work jointly with a hospital-based ALS service that has paramedic chase cars that will respond to calls dispatched as ALS, or in cases where the BLS crew shows up and goes, oh, man, <laughs> now, <laughs> ah, crap. not this one. Yep. Hey, really uh, quick. It, what was, yeah. what was um, you know, what was the BG level of certification again? Oh, EMT. EMT. Okay. At this time, they are at this time they are an EMT. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So there are less than ten ALS chase cars for this county, okay. and the service runs around a total forty thousand calls per year. Uh, the BLS ambulances work out of their station, and the BG station they say averages about like one to three calls per day. But of course, there are days when there isn't any action. Um, everyone works twenty-four hour shifts. There's one large hospital in this county which can handle most of the things, STEMI, primary strokes, perinatal care, Ebola, etc. But there's a larger hospital out of the county uh, in a large metropolitan city, which is like the level one trauma center. Hey, really quick. The ALS chase cars, where are they? Uh, I know they're hospital based. Are they at the hospital, though, or do they do they post somewhere? I think they post around, but it sounds like they're they're fairly busy. Like they, they they generally end up moving around. Gotcha. Um, so, so so they're in, in like some kind of bastardized system status management. Yeah, 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 yeah. something okay. like that. Yeah. All right. Um, I do want to talk about this. Speaking of them, those ALS cars, I want to talk about a potential system pressure, which I, I think factors into this call. Okay. Um, so requesting an ALS response. So the service and the county dispatch do have protocols and guidelines, which automatically will generate an ALS response. Um, so for the service, uh, that like the dispatch is just kind of the, the dispatch it's their It's a standardized dispatch system, which, you know, goes like, all right, you know, are you having abdominal pain? They say yes. And then it's okay. like, all right, well, so, like, so, so are, they use like some sort of EMD, like exactly. Okay. Yep. Like AFCO or, okay. Got, got that. For anyone yeah. that doesn't know, there are not every dispatch center is the same. There are still some older dispatches, but they'll essentially you call, they say, what do you want? You know, fire, police, medical. And you say medical, and then you get that. Um, <laughs> yep. and, and then it's kind of up to it's kind of up to whatever the dispatcher decides is an emergency or not. And that's that's what determines it. It's not great. Um, most systems are modernizing into some kind of emergency medical dispatch protocol. And one of those such protocols is AFCO. And basically it's where you have cards and you ask specific questions for each card. And then it's, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book. You know, like if they say this, go to this page and add this resource. And it's customized for your system. Um, but that is the way you should go. It's expensive to get there, but it's it's a place you should go. It provides yeah. better dispatching. It, and it takes a lot of liability off the individual dispatcher, uh, you know, so they don't have to fire from the hip and guess exactly which resource to send. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I Standardization is almost always a good thing. Yep. <laughs> 
right. All right. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. So let's talk about some of those protocols. Uh, like for so, for instance, if the CBG is less than seventy or greater than three hundred, that creates an ALS call. Um, a heart rate greater than one twenty, uh, blood pressure greater than one eighty or less than one hundred, uh, those all generate an ALS. Uh, you know, mandate an ALS response. Um, altered mental status with like an unexplained reason. Uh, and the, there, there's an exception there for uh, clear cut drunk. In other words, like if you've ruled everything else out, you know, and it's just a drunk person mm. who's, you know, confused. And I mean, you know, it's like, then, yeah, that's, then you can make that a BLS transport. Um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this is the, keep, yep. keep going. I don't know. Our, I don't know if you're done describing the system yet, but I have thoughts on what you've described so far, but keep going. Yeah. If you have more. Uh, so, so for instance, a one-off seizure with mentation returning to normal equals BLS, but anything else is ALS, uh, chest pain, decreased level of consciousness, uh, stroke, uh, caveat with the chest pain. If they're under the age of 35, it gets dispatched out as BLS. Hmm. Uh, Listen to our last episode, Teenage Heartbreak. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. There's an ALS abdominal pain and a BLS abdominal pain. And that's sort of, you know, pain level based on 911 dispatch, et cetera. Like if the if the pain is high or there's any type of bleeding associated with it, then it gets ALS. But if they're like, yeah, my stomach kind of hurts, then that gets a BLS response. Um, but of course, like, you know, like a good system, there is an allowance for BLS to request ALS for essentially any reason, even if it doesn't fit into any of those categories. And ALS can also arrive on any call that they're dispatched to and downgrade it to a BLS call if they determine the call doesn't really warrant an ALS provider, or they just don't want to work that day. But, uh, (laughs) BG's reports that 95% of the time if a BLS re- unit requests an ALS response, they're likely going to get it and the provider is going to take the patient in. So uh, you had thoughts, though. I do. Um, so my first thought is I need more NyQuil. But my second thought. <laughs> I, so kind of listening to these criteria, they don't really strike me as super familiar with any of the APCO systems that I know, which I, I'm going to admit, like, dispatch. I, my, my primary job has never been dispatch. And so there may be some of you dispatch gurus out there that are like, no, this is this is pretty much boilerplate shit. It doesn't sound like it to me, though, because one of the things that I kind of worry about is it seems to rely heavily on vital signs from the caller. Oh, I mean, no, no, no. These are in their protocols. I don't know exactly the dispatch protocols except where I've outlined them. This is just protocols for the service. Like, so if a BLS crew member shows up and, go, and they go like, oh, yeah, the CBG is you know, less than 70. Okay. uh, Or, you know, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This is after the BLS crews on scene. These are situations in which they must add a 911 unit. Yes. Okay. I thought you were saying this is like when they're dispatching out, like this is how they would. Yeah. There are those dispatch ones though, which is like chest pain. If they're under 35. Okay. So this was, so so the list we just got, so the list we just got, that was kind of a mix of, some of these yeah. are, are assessed by the BLS crew on scene. Some of these are things that we may catch in dispatch. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 
that was confusing. All right. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I could make that muddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm like, God, dispatcher, like, all right, ma'am, do you have a blood pressure cuff nearby that you could check the blood pressure with? I'm like, dang. I'm like, wow, they're really getting, hey, you may have said it. I may have just missed it, but I just, anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the other, the only other situation I have there, I mean, and this kind of comes with a lot of these situations where you have ALS chase cars that are busy. Um, when you have ALS chase cars that are busy, I want to make that caveat in there. You increase the uh, unrecognized bias to turn calls over to BLS yeah. when they shouldn't be. And so those are the things that if you the, – because the whole thing about having ALS chase cars is uh, the reason you have those is that you're in a system that is resource limited, right? You just don't have a lot of ALS. So you can't yeah. really afford – to put ALS on every single responding vehicle. So you have these chase cars that kind of go to just where they're necessary. And so I really start to question the validity of that system when those chase cars are super busy because it kind of yeah. starts to tell you that, hey, your area may be outgrowing this system. Maybe it's ALS need is bigger than what a chase card can provide and you need to look into being able to pay competitive wages for ALS employees. Um, so... To actually keep them, because that's that's why most of these areas don't have ALS employees, because they don't pay anything, and so no one wants to go to paramedic school, pay a bunch of money, and then not be able to recoup that uh, through their job. So yeah, and yep. th- that's so anyway. So you wind up with these uh, ALS chase cars that are just getting their teeth kicked in day after day, uh, and there's a huge uh, unconscious bias. To, to flip things over to BLS because you're super tired because you run all the time. So anyway, yep. yeah. So so that that I mean, I mean to me like it's almost contradictory to have really busy ALS chase car style systems. That's almost kind of a contradiction. Yeah, because yeah, no, I, they shouldn't be. If they're really busy, then you need ALS in your system. That's that that's the problem. Right. The, the the whole yeah. reason you have ALS chase cars is because you don't need. ALS for every single car and you can't afford them anyway. Anyway. <laughs> no, and, it's true. Yeah. So uh, one perk to this system is that they do get pretty good uh, feedback from the hospital. That is uh, awesome. For the most part. I love that. Um, given that there's one hospital and the paramedic service works for, out of that. Let's talk about the gear real quick. BLS ambulance, they have an O2, they have a bag with an O2 cylinder in it. Yeah, um, they do. rebreather, <laughs> nasal cannula. They've got some BLS meds. So like aspirin, IM Epi, glucose paste, Narcan, charcoal, the good stuff. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the stuff. Suction, backboards, a Reeves sleeve. Uh, that'll come into play on this call. What's a Reeves sleeve? Oh, dude. It's <laughs> essentially, it's just giant thing you can burrito people in to, like, carry them out. Um, I had Sweet. To, I had to actually, like, YouTube it because uh, it's like, all right, I got to see how this thing works. Um, yeah, you just strap this person in. It's like a backboard except you know, holds them in. They could go vertically, basically. Wow. All right. Uh, and then on the ALS medic cars, they have, uh, you know, intubation bag. They have uh, IO. They have a video laryngoscope. They use the King Vision. Uh, they've got Yuck. cardiac arrest stuff, CPAP, NEBS, uh, you know, fr- the list, of, like the frequently used stuff. Uh, yeah. They can do nasal intubation, tourniquets, chest seals, um, yeah, they've got all the things. Nice. Anyway, 
So let's move on to the call. The real reason people listen, not not for me to go through the inventory of ALS stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. It's an early fall evening and the Owl City Fireflies are just starting to light up their dinner on the stove. When the ambulance for their station is dispatched to a 39-year-old male with nausea, vomiting, vomiting, and shakiness. The caller is the patient's spouse, and the the residence where the patient is located is just down the street from their station. The Bee Gees and the Beatles depart from their station and quickly find the location, and the only discussion that they have is like, all right, how do we get into the house? Because there's a large fence surrounding the perimeter with uh, multiple possibilities for an approach. Now... As the Bee Gees is at this point in their career looking to go into medical school, they have established with the Beatles that they would like to be PIC on the calls they run. And the Beatles is a great partner for this as they've been letting the Bee Gees play that role while still giving them gentle guidance as they have a lot of experience as an EMT intermediate to pull from. All right. As they arrive to the two-story domicile, I'm bringing the word back. Mm. It's just described as well-kept. There's a child out in the yard who points the two EMTs inside the home and the crew enter with their BLS bag, which is the standard equipment they would bring in for the call that they were dispatched to. I'm sorry, what was the re- dispatch info again? The dispatch was, I got a 39-year-old male vomiting, nauseous, and shaky. Okay. So, yeah, they're like, yeah, BLS bag. Let's bring it in. Sure. All right. So as the crew enter the home, they discover that there is a narrow spiral staircase, which leads up to the second floor. Bee Gees and the Beatles climb the staircase and are met at the top by the patient's wife, who I'm calling Modest Mouse. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Modest Mouse is visibly upset and is crying and tells the crew that they don't know what's wrong with the patient their husband, and that they came to wake him up for dinner, and the patient was found shaking, puking, and just not able to talk. Uh, Modest Mouse left the room to call 911 and came back to find him moved from his position on the bed, and the patient is now laying prone on the floor halfway across the room. As this information is given, the crew entered this upstairs bedroom and see the patient. So I'm going to start with the environment of the bedroom as described by the Bee Gees. All right. The bed. I was trying to like make that musical somehow. Like I can tell by the way this room is cold that it's freezing in here. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you were, man. I was sitting here waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But you're not. (laughs) No, no. The, whole, the patient fuck, is staying alive. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> the bedroom is described by the PGs as absolutely fucking freezing cold. <laughs> and I quote. <laughs> and there are not only is it cold, but there are a number of fans that are actively running in the background. And again, I should mention, like, this is the time of year where it can be kind of hot during the day because it's, you know, like early fall, but okay. it gets really cold and crisp in the evening. And currently the outside temp is more on the line of like, yeah, it's cold and a little crispy outside. Okay. So we're so, making it really cold in here. We're, exactly. Super cold. Yeah. Right. Also, the bedroom smells horribly like shit. Yes. There you go. Like poop. There we go. For That's the CME. <laughs> great. Actually, that is helpful, actually. 
Because like when, because like if you say something's like fucking freezing, it's easy. Then just then it just becomes so that thing is freezing on the Guardian yeah. CME. But when the only word is shit, I don't. <laughs> yep, smells like yams. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't just just you've got like a robot voice like poop. <laughs> <laughs> so we we got it. We got a poo smelling room. A poo smelling cold room. Yes. All right. So this guy's in there making poosicles. Yeah. All right. So the patient, who I'm calling Papa Roach, appears to have, as a last resort, somehow gotten out of their... Yeah. (laughs) Somehow gotten out of their bed and made it a few paces uh, like off that bed to now lie pr- uh, prone. <coughs> Jesus. No, no, we're keeping the voice crack one in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, worry about I it. hope you die. I hope you die. <laughs> <laughs> prone. <laughs> prone. Sorry, you hope uh, I die. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow gotten out of their bed and made it like a few paces, like across the floor to now lie prone on the hardwood floor. God, if this guy uh, codes, I, I hope the partner looks at his buddy. He just goes, Ventilation. He's not breathing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh no! I wish he coded. Yeah, dude. Yes. Oh God, so good. All right. Papa Roach is described as a well-built male, six foot two and one hundred and ninety pounds, or one hundred eight. 188 centimeters and 86 kilograms. Okay. They they are wearing only a pair of boxer shorts. The crew noticed the aforementioned vomit that Modest Mouse described. It's a large pool on the bed with a trail that kind of leads over towards like where the patient made it to the floor. What does it look like? Uh, Food. Oh, food and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. When you say food, you mean like beets? I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah remarkably had a steady so, diet yeah. of cranberries and beets and uh grape juice like if he were a vampire and he yeah. died on blood <laughs> then food <laughs> yeah explains why it's so cold in there perfect yeah really like That's steak tartare as well <laughs> uh the bgs goes right over to papa roach and taps on their shoulder and gets no response they then pinch the patient's arm, which results in the patient moving an arm away, as well as moving a leg and briefly opening their eyes and moaning. So, this is the initial assessment. Level of consciousness. Now, given the response from the patients, I'm calling the GCS as eight. That's a two for okay. eyes, because they open their eyes to pain. A two for verbal, because they made some verbal response, though it's, you know, a moan. Yeah. And, and they localize uh, with motor. Yeah. Uh, well, I, so I decreased that cause I went, they withdrew from the pain if they kind of like moved oh, their arm. No, totes accurate. Yeah. 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 Um, but I guess I could have interpreted that cause they no, wrote nine. No, 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 you, you're, yeah. you're right. Cause that, that, that's a withdrawal. Yeah. Like yeah. if they'd moved their other arm over, then that would be kind of like a localizing pain, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and, and so maybe it was a nine. I'm going to go with eight cause I imagined it as withdrawing their arm from the pinch. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. and it's honestly like, if you're going to go one direction, make it worse so you try harder, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's actually yeah. funny, though, because with, uh, you know, with GCS, you know, they used to teach that is like, hey, you always go with the patient's best response when you're doing GCS. And what they mean by that is if if you pinch him twice 
and one localizes <laughs> and one withdraws, you go with the localize. What they don't mean is like if you're on the fence, go better. That's not what they mean by that. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, there you go. There's that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Airway. The patient's airway is patent. It's clear of vomit at this time. Uh, and they are breathing at a rate of 26 a minute. And it's noted to be deep. Circulation. Hmm. The patient has a very, like a very easy to palpate, slow, strong radial pulse at a rate of 50 beats per minute. Okay. Um, the rate of the patient's heart rate surprised the Bee Gees as they were expecting the patient to be tachycardic with the presentation that they have. Um, it's right, obvious right. from the patient's, like the quick other, you know, uh, other overview notes here. It's obvious from the patient's boxers that they have soiled themselves and they are described as incredibly diaphoretic. Okay. All right. So, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts here at this time? Uh, what would you? Super yeah. sick. Um, <clears throat> all right. Let's kind of talk about here. So, this might confirm my vital signs here. I've got a respiratory rate of 26 with deep, deep, like deep, good respirations, but 26. Yep. So, we're rapid but deep. Uh, I got a heart rate of 50, 5 Yeah. Whole place smells like shit. He has shit himself. Yep. Recently, there's vomit on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Yes. Yes. Um, bloody spaghetti. <laughs> bloody spaghetti. Okay. So obviously I want more. I want a blood pressure. I want yeah. an EKG. I want a blood sugar. I want those things. But mm, can't get an EKG. But all right. He's too sweaty. Oh, BLS. We're BLS. Yeah. All right. Well, we can still get a blood pressure and we can get uh, a CBG. Um, okay. But. I want those things, but in terms of like, what do I think it could be just based off what I have? I don't sure. like the heart rate. It bothers yeah. me. Um, and I, I just, I need to know more as to yeah. why that could be. But a few of the possibility, one possibility is this is, I also want some history like, okay, so the whole place smells like shit. Yeah. Um, and he has soiled himself. Is this like, when we say soiled himself, is it like, like it's like smeared in like, mushy shit or is it like there's just a big old turd in his pants dude i don't know i'm okay. imagining it's probably going to be like a little mushy because he's moved around a bit you know well but so, like, so okay yeah. but i'm asking yeah. for reasons like one thought the simplest answer would be like okay homeboy's had a turd he's been working on for a while and oh. uh and he has pushed this thing out and he has vagled himself down and passed out and so he is breathing fast and deep because fuck dude I just fucking passed out. I'm not <laughs> responding to anybody. And he's dying. Like all of this stuff would fit that. Um, I, yeah. Except one thing is you would come pretty quickly out of this. And uh, you, like, even if you do that, unless it's still like turtle heading, in which case people can actually be sustained. <laughs> well, I mean, we're yeah, laughing, no. but I mean, like th this is true. No, I've been on this patient yeah. where I've had, you know, el specifically elderly patients uh, who've been sitting there trying to crank out a turd for a bit. And they vagal down and the turds half in, half out, just causing vagal stimulus. And they will legit be this guy. Yeah. And so there's okay. part of me thinking like, okay, like, is it that? But the thing yeah. about that, though, is is if it's just like he took a shit in his pants and he's rolling around in it, like it's not like a like a hard log mm. that's turtle heading in and out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then if, if it was some kind of vagal response from that, then like this would pass pretty quick. And it sounds like this has gone on. I mean, at least since the 911 call, he's been in a bad way. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it the bradycardia is kind of concerning to me. So I guess let's just let's just kind of see where they go. I'm curious to see what the other vital signs are. All right, because right right now uh, there there's a lot of ideas in my head, but none of them really matter until I get more info. So I'm going to table Abs- it for now. Absolutely, and I will say, like as a person who has definitely had to like take a deuce uh, and like not been a- you know just like not been able to because I'm outside and right. you, know, you can't it's it's poor form to like just go knock on a random house like hey can I use your bathroom and just <laughs> I'm destroy, gonna destroy it, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you're like the longer that goes on the lower uh, intelligence you have because right. I can tell you like you know when it's like all right now I'll, I'll I think I can make it and then you get to like a T intersection and you're like Okay, there is nothing but houses and, you know, stuff that, and there's a forest that way. And there's a, you know, a shop that I might be able to get to, but will they let me use their bathroom? I don't know. Uh, Or there's the forest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. The the calculus becomes, becomes pretty hard. All right. Anyway. The Beatles is grabbing equipment to take vitals and get a CBG. And as they walk around the, uh, walk around the patient uh they ask the bgs like hey do you want to like roll this patient out of the prone position maybe yeah uh, so the, the they do that the patient is rolled into a, more of a recovery position i i guess kind of based on the proximity to the bed um so with that task done the patient's now in a uh presuming to be like a left lateral recumbent or right recumbent position uh the beatles goes to get vitals and bg's talks with modest mouse to start getting some history now bg's admits that some of their questioning was a little discombobulated given the presentation of the patient and just sort of the flow of conversation and and how these items came up um bg's asked modest mouse like all right hey so like Tell me how you, like, what happened? How'd you find the patient? And this is, Modest Mouse says the following. She came into the bedroom to wake him for dinner and found him shaking, vomiting, and unresponsive. Uh, She's unsure how long the shaking lasted because she left uh, so that she could have her child call 911. Modest Mouse is asked if, like, the patient's been sick recently or sick all day. And then yeah, why, that- why is he getting woken up for dinner? You know, he's Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they report that Papa Roach works nights and is a general handyman in the town and came home this morning around mm-hmm. 6 a.m., helped get the kids off to school before heading to bed, reporting that he was very tired. Modest Mouse does offer that the patient seemed more tired than usual, but really thought nothing of it at the time. Uh, they say they probably saw him for a total of like 30 minutes. The patient has been asleep all day and until now <laughs> where they're still asleep just now on a hardwood floor. Um, yeah. BG's asked like if by like if by the shaking mouse described the patient might have been seizing. But Modest Mouse says that they don't know because they've never seen a seizure before. Um, the patient's arms and legs were shaking. And but they weren't sure if the patient was conscious or not because like they were vomiting while this was all happening. They say that they only witnessed it for about five to ten seconds before leaving to have that child call nine one one, and they returned roughly a minute later to find the patient on the floor like this. All so, right. initial vitals. Uh, five minutes into the call are blood pressure is one thirty four over sixty, heart rate is fifty. The SPO2 is 84% on room air. Okay. Uh, 
via portable pulse ox, respiration rates 24 and rapid, and uh, level of consciousness is they, they open their eyes to pain and they kind of like withdraw from pain. Gotcha. So, <clears throat> Bee Gees grabs out a non-rebreather mask to put the patient on high flow O2. Uh, the Beatles asks the Bee Gees like, hey, Jude. How do you imagine we're, yeah, how do you imagine we're going to get this patient out of here? Which prompts the Bee Gees to request a response from their station mates, the Owl City Fireflies. So no one's so, called for an ALS at this point. No, not yet. And okay. I'll go into that a uh, little more here. So with that crew on the way, the Bee Gees realized that, oh, like, oh man, I've grabbed a pediatric non rebreather because they look identical in packaging. Yep. And so then they open that up and then I have to switch that out and grab the adult before continuing on to their head to toe assessment. So here's the more full assessment here after the rapid with those first vitals, the head to toe assessment, which was happening along with more history being gathered from modest mouse. Um, so again, these things happen simultaneously, but uh, because of storytelling, I have to break this up. Uh, so here we go. Head to toe assessment. Head, ears, eyes, nose, throat. Described in, really is sort of unremarkable. Mm, but here, here we go. Eyes. The p- patient's uh, pupils are pinpoint. There's no uh, JVD noticed. The trachea is midline. There's n- what's that, buddy? It, that that's that's interesting. We keep keep going. Okay. Um. There's a facial droop. Uh, excuse me. There is no facial droop noted. Uh, and as for speech, the patient doesn't speak. They only groan. Uh, the Bee Gees does notice what looks like to be like neon yellow highlighter crust around the patient's eyes. And they point it out to the Beatles, who is likewise flummoxed by this finding. Uh, Modest Mouse is not asked about it. Uh, moving on to the patient's chest, aside from being really sweaty, it's unremarkable. Lung sounds are clear in the upper fields, but they describe as possible wheezes in the lower. The Bee Gees said, like, they were just weird noises. They weren't sure exactly what they were hearing. Okay. Uh, the patient's back was unremarkable. The patient's abdomen is soft. Uh, the patient's pelvis is stable. And the extremities are described as unremarkable. And the patient does every so often, like, spontaneously move their extremities. Uh, and pulses are present in all of all four. Um, so the Beatles is asked to obtain a CBG while the Bee Gees continues talking with Modest Mouse during this uh, assessment. Uh, and part of this is to get history. And part of it is sort of like conversationally uh, trying to help like Modest Mouse stay calm. Um, and I think probably to help like the Bee Gees also feel calm, you know. Yeah, sure. I get <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So as far as Modest Mouse knows, the patient has, you know, eaten what everyone else has eaten in the home. The patient, again, hasn't been sick recently. They haven't voiced any complaints. Uh, Bee Gees asks about the patient's work, work, mostly to, like, fill in those conversational gaps. And Mouse says that the patient does all sorts of work for people. Uh, construction, electronics, painting, which the wife comments Papa Roach doesn't like to wear PPE with. Uh, you know, so like the mask yeah. and stuff that you should wear while mm-hmm. you're doing that. Uh, sure. Landscaping. Uh, yeah, you name it. This guy does it. Do they ever occasionally spread pesticides? Mm, why would you ask that? Because the moment you started mentioning crusting around the eyes, I started thinking about lacrimation. And then that gets me to my sludge acronym. Ooh. All right. And uh, sludge is an acronym for organophosphate poisoning. 
um, which but which includes the the other symptoms he's having uh, as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure about the specifics of bradycardia with organophosphate poisoning, but everything else seems to be lining up. But uh, keep keep going. I'll I'll wait yeah. for a break to kind of give my. I have two differentials going on actually right now. Okay. That, that I think yeah. could be the case. But, All right. Uh, anyway, keep going. Yeah. All right. So uh, BGs asks about any recent trauma, head injury, car accidents, etc. And there is none reported. The wife, the wife reports that the patient's only medical problem is hypertension and that the patient refuses to take medication for it. So no medications taken. Um, despite, the higher yeah, despite the higher respiratory rate, the patient does have pinpoint pupils and is unresponsive. So BGs decides to administer two milligrams Narcan intranasally to see if that changes anything. Um, but per Modest Mouse, the patient does not use alcohol or recreational drugs. Um, and also, the patient does not have any allergies. Now, the Owl City Fireflies arrive to the scene around the 10-minute mark, and Chris, well, they just don't believe their eyes. <laughs> Very good work. Good yeah. work. Yeah. BGs assigns them to manage the extrication of the patient, which is highly complicated given the home and the aforementioned staircase. Uh, the lieutenant does ask BGs if they want to request ALS, but the BGs declines at the moment. They believe that the alteration is related to a seizure based on the description uh, that uh, uh, Modest Mouse gave, and okay. they think that the patient's mentation will improve as they emerge from this postictal state. So they're counting on. Okay, I have I have a couple reasons I wouldn't go that way. We can discuss that after the rest of the call, but uh, they decide. That if they get the patient downstairs and there is no improvement in mentation, they will call ALS. Meanwhile, they still decide, like, hey, while the crew is preparing to, for this extrication, they're going to continue down their own altered mental status checklist. Now, they didn't learn the acronym AEIOU TIPS in their okay. EMT course, but they recalled from a wilderness responder course they took years prior a different acronym, STOP EATS. Um, so I'll kind of put that out here for everyone. Uh, stop eats would be sugar, temperature, oxygen, pressure, electricity, altitude, toxins, salts. Uh, so they start working down that list as best they can. So the sugar came back at 119 milligrams per deciliter or 6.61 millimoles. Um, so that's not the issue here. Temperature, they actually thought that this one was more likely given the patient's condition and the environment of the room, but mm -hmm. an axillary temp comes back at 96.6 .6 axillary. So uh, that's degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, God, what is that in Celsius? Uh, Less than 37. Celsius. Uh, yeah, 35.8 degrees Celsius. All right. The Beatles did cover the patient with a blanket from the bed to keep them warm in the environment. Um, and with the high flow O2 via the adult non-rebreather, the patient's saturations have now increased to 95%. All right. So, so the good. patient. 
Yeah, the patient's blood pressure of 134 over 60 should be perfusing the brain, and there are no signs or his, like history of head trauma. Uh, they can't do a stroke assessment because the patient isn't like conscious enough to participate in one. However, the patient does still have pinpoint pupils despite the first dose of Narcan that was given, so they decide, ah, let's give two milligrams more of Narcan intranasally. The patient... As they're continuing on down, the patient wasn't likely struck by lightning, nor are they at an altitude which would cause like high altitude cerebral edema. Gotcha. For toxins, given the patient's pinpoint pupils and altered mental status, uh, they already have treated that with Narcan. And then for salts, uh, and this would be like your electrolytes would be the salts. Uh, the patient could be dehydrated given... <laughs> That <laughs> all the fluid is out of them at this point. Uh, but yeah, we're, they're not really sure. Um, so the fireflies are finally set up and ready to start moving the patient. So the team roll the patient onto the reef stretcher and BGs notices a distinct lack of pain response as they've moved over, like they've had to kind of move them over a couple of buckles. So they pinch the patient's arm again and elicit no response. The patient's GCS is now 111. They are uh, unresponsive. Other vitals at this point. The last, the last most recent blood pressure is 106 over 54. Heart rate is still 50. SpO2 is 97% now with 12 liters per minute. And respirations are 30 deep and labored. Dispatch notifies them over the radio that they've been on scene for 20 minutes. BG summons an ALS unit to respond at this point in the call. All right, Chris, what are you thinking? All right. So here's one of the main things I'm thinking is uh, organophosphate poisoning or really anytime. I mean, organophosphate poisoning is specific, but doesn't necessarily need to be organophosphates uh, specifically to cause bizarre symptoms. And now given this guy does fit the organophosphate sludge. Sludge is an acronym to help you determine if something is due to organophosphate poisoning. And it stands for salivation, lacrimation, urination, diaphoresis. That's the D there. And then the G is gastrointestinal and the E is emesis. Yep. So, uh, and I believe that can, that can also then branch off into things like bronchospasm as well, uh, which is not great. Uh, there's something like blurred vision. I, I would have to cheat and Google it. I think it can cause dysrhythmias. I don't know if bradycardia is one of those or not. I don't. Um, but anyway, so th this guy, he has those things right now, especially when we're talking about like the crusty, the crusties around the eyes. You know, he's been yeah. lacrimating now for a bit, uh, you know, and he's tired and he's exhausted and he doesn't like to wear PPE. That's another big like, hey, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely a possibility. The other possibility, of course, is going to be, uh, if you kind of look at this, uh, would be head trauma would be one of the things that you may want to consider. They asked about history, but you may not know in this patient. He's a handyman. Yeah. He goes out, says, ah, I'm tired. You know, he doesn't tell anybody about anything that happens, just goes right to bed. Uh, because, you know, we have a bradycardic patient who's uh, altered with kind of some oddball breathing, you know, some uh, this rapid tachypnea. But the tachypnea seems at least consistent, which kind of steers me away because what I'm looking at there is like the Cushing's triad, right? Mm, so when you have yep. Cushing's triad, you look for a hypertensive patient with high blood pressure, low heart rate, and erratic breathing. And he has low heart rate 
And his breathing is odd, but it's not erratic. You know, it's consistent. Um, and then the blood pressure at 134 over 60 is not really what I would call high. But again, like that high can mean one thing to one person and, and not to somebody else. But it is a history of hypertension that he leaves unmedicated. So I would almost think that this actually might be low for him, depending on, you know. Sure. Yeah. What he does. But uh, anyway, the initial room air SAO2 of 84% isn't great. That also leads me kind of back toward the sludge thing because I know bronchospasm is part of the uh, the issue with uh, organophosphate poisoning. Um, so, yeah, I think or- organophosphate poisoning uh, is a likely candidate. Seizures and postictal. So one of the reasons I'm not really jumping on that train is because usually in your postictal patient um, – you have uh, tachycardia, not bradycardia. Sure. That usually comes with that. And he's bradycardic. Uh, that, that's not a definite no, but um, yeah. it, it would put it lower down on my list. But again, like what I didn't like is that kind of came up in conversation and he kind of, it was kind of used. I don't know which person said this, but it was kind of used as a reason to not get an ALS response. Um, if you have a patient who's in their thirties with no history of seizure and suddenly has one, uh, you really need to be thinking ALS because the causes for that, none of them are good. Uh, none yeah. of them are are BLS, especially when the sugar's fine. You know, so you're either looking at either the guy suddenly at age 39 developed epilepsy, which is not possible, but it could happen, or he has a brain tumor. <laughs> What's not, not possible, possible, but it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Or, or sorry, what I meant is, is it's not likely. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's not likely or not possible. Not but possible. I mean, it could it's impossible, but it could happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Nice. Today's episode is brought to you by NyQuil. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. but, okay, it's not likely, but uh, but that could be the case. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of uh, what we're talking about there. Sl- seizures, post Yeah. And so my, my yeah. thing about this is like any reason that this guy would have a seizure this late in his life with no history of seizures is an ALS reason. Yeah. Should have yeah. called for it. The moment you started thinking seizure, you should have called for ALS. Uh, narcotics. Not really thinking narcotics. Not, it's not with the pinpoint pupils. It's not a bad idea. It, it no, isn't. Yeah. And I think it's totally yeah. warranted. And. But, and how many times have like how many times have you heard Chris like they don't do drugs and it's like well they woke up to Narcan right so, yeah oh, oh all the time all yeah. the time so yeah so so often it's like no they don't tell you they do drugs uh, but <laughs> but they do yeah. uh, okay brief side tangent I used to work with a paramedic that anytime you wake someone up with Narcan and they would. Uh, swear up and down that they didn't do not do this by the way in your practice don't don't do this uh, but. They would swear up and down like, oh, no, no, I didn't do drugs. They're like, yeah, no, this, this only really wakes you up if you've done, you know, some kind of narcotics or like if you've had orange jello recently, like then it will then it may wake you up from other things, you know, because the orange jello would react. But uh, and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, I had orange jello. And he would just like it wouldn't necessarily be orange jello. He would just plant anything in there and you, it would be amazing. You would be like, oh, yeah, no, I did that. You know, be like, yeah, if you wear high heels on Thursdays, then, um, yeah, then yeah, it may, it may cause you to wake up from some other stuff if you also wear high heels on Thursdays. Well, but dude, I wear it, high heels every Thursday. <laughs> do not do this, by the way. Don't like, that's our disclaimer. Like, like it was funny, but like that, that could land you in a lot of trouble if you're too creative with that. So don't do it. But yeah, it was funny. Um, but anyway, my thing about narcotics, though, that, that puts it lower on the list, though, is that usually the reason people are altered from narcotics is because they actually uh, have a 
suppressed respiratory drive. They get hypoxic. That's what causes them to go out. Uh, in this case, he he doesn't have that. In fact, he's tachypnic. He's the opposite of mm. yeah of what I would expect him to be with narcotics. Um, so, All well, right. again, I, I I don't think there's an issue with giving the Narcan in this case. He's altered. He has pinpoint pupils. It's entirely plausible. Um, it's just I, especially after the Narcan not working, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. All right. Well, let's continue on. The patient is carried out and down the spiral staircase in a tightly packed Reeves sleeve. And I I, let's just say it was a difficult endeavor. Mm. OSHA OSHA would not smile. All right. OSHA would not Uh, approve. (laughs) But I mean, they wouldn't approve of anything. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of range there. But go darker. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So once on the stretcher outside, like once the, they have the stretcher outside uh, and it's set up outside the home, uh, they get the patient on it. Papa Roach opens the rise and, uh, and then just kind of asks the BGs like, what the hell is going on? And BGs thinks like, yeah, of course, like, of course. Uh, yeah. Seizure's uh, over yeah, now. Yeah. And, and at this point they suspect that like, okay, Maybe this does like, uh, you know, like maybe this was a drug overdose uh, where the Narcan has now worked and the maybe the seizure activity might have been like related to opioid induced hypoxia. Yeah. Um, or, or Modest Mouse just didn't know what she was seeing and the guy was just shivering. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, still, like they don't say any of that. They just respond like, well, you know, Modest Mouse called 911 because you were sick. And Papa Roach responds like, I don't remember her calling 911, to which the PG says like, yeah, well, you might have had a seizure. Exactly. So, that's yeah. that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. So the patient's GCS is now put at a 14 because they're alert, they're responding, but they're confused about the events. Mm-hmm. So the patient is taken out to the ambulance and Modest Mouse talks with them through the side door while they wait for the ALS unit to arrive. And like... Modest Mouse is encouraging Papa Roach to go to the hospital and float on all right. But, uh, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, The patient is taken out of the reef sleeve while that conversation is happening because uh, apparently it's poor form to transport a patient in it. Um, So not too long after this, the Scorpions paramedic announces from the side door of the ambulance. The Scorpions gives heavy side eye to the Bee Gees as Bee Gees stumbles through the report of this very kind of unclear patient. Bee Gees said that they felt like the Scorpions response and tones kind of indicated that they weren't really sure if they believed the things that BG was, te- the Bee Gees was, were telling them. And they noticed like the strategic stance, or I should say the Bee Gees noticed the uh, Scorpions take sort of a strategic stance of like half in half out of the ambulance. But When at the conclusion of the report, the Scorpions reluctantly climbs in and performs a stroke assessment on the patient. Bee Gees offers like, hey, I can help put the patient on the monitor and, you know, like get another set of vitals. But the Scorpions tells them like, nah, just go fetch my ALS kit from their response vehicle instead because they're going to take the patient in. So initially they start transporting code one with the Bee Gees following behind. But midway through the transport, they upgrade to code three and Bee Gees discovers that the patient had a seizure during transport. 
All right. So, Chris, mm. here it is. What is this? Um, <clears throat> I don't know that. So, and I'm okay saying that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I still, I still really want to, what I'm kind of upset about is like, I, I want to be able to investigate the sludge thing more and be like, Hey, certainly, especially like when that guy was awake, that should have yeah. been your time. Like, Hey, do you remember what kind of work you did last night before you came home? Like, Oh, that yeah. would have been paramount. That would have been great to know. Um, I still think sludge is kind of a top indicator, uh, for this with everything that's okay. going on. I still, I still think some kind of organophosphate poisoning, uh, yeah. is at the top of the list. Um, but you know, with the repeat seizures, whenever I start seeing seizures, I also worry about increased intracranial pressure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we could have all the, and the, the hard part with sludge, uh, is that, you know, or really anything, any kind of toxin, you know, anytime you're talking about some kind of toxin that, that has a kind of systemic impact like this, it can have an impact on your brain and it can cause seizures. That's the problem about seizures is seizures. <laughs> Like everything yeah. can cause one, you know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, head trauma could be a seizure, really bad stroke yeah, it can cause a seizure. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Oh man, yeah. So, yeah no, I, uh, I, I still think my top runners are going to be uh, organic. All right. Women. Well, god damn it! I I was hoping that this call would uh, that I would fucking get it. You, you did. The yeah. patient was found to have suffered from organophosphate poisoning. Uh, we know that they went to the ICU and were placed on an atropine drip. Uh, yeah. They did survive, though they did have some residual deficits after the fact. Oh, damn. And Yeah, so that's the call. All right. Let's do the uh, summary and then uh, we'll move on. All right. Well, uh, I am glad that I won that one. Honestly, the, the- <laughs> The big giveaway to me was was the the crusty eyes, and then you made some comment about he doesn't like PPE. And I'm like, yeah, well, there you go. So yeah, um, we have BLS crew dispatched uh, to the home of a 39 year old sick male. This could be me, actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> this could be me right now. Nyquil uh, overdose. <laughs> boom! Exactly. I'm saying if it's a Nyquil overdose, we're gonna nail it. Uh, but the patient was reported to be uh, vomiting, shaking, uh, unresponsive, and the patient is found in a very freaking cold room, uh, responsive to uh, just pain. They are severely diaphoretic. They have defecated and they have vomited. The BGs they suspect that it's a seizure, and uh, they're probably right, as it turns out. But uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they believe the patient is in a postictal state. The patient's level of consciousness seems to decrease over the time that they are with the patient. And uh, ALS is eventually summoned. As the patient gets put on the stretcher, they do wake up and they're confused. And then we miss the opportunity to ask them what they were doing last night. And a paramedic then arrives and seems really kind of judgy over the whole call and doesn't really believe the events uh, happened, uh, which is fantastic because later on the medic says, nope, code three, because the guy's <laughs> seizing again. So which that yep. has got to be just a point of satisfaction. I mean, sorry, the guy's having a seizure. That sucks. But yeah, uh, yeah. a point of satisfaction for the uh, the crew turning over. Got to love that. It's like the yeah. nurse that also misses the IV that you couldn't get. It's, it's great. Uh, You're like, so, ah, good. Yep. Yeah. Thank God. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I mean, bad for the patient, but good but, for my ego. Good, yeah. good for my ego. Really, why else would I do this? Uh, yeah, and the patient ended up having, uh, as uh, as Cristobal Finkston called it, uh, organophosphate poisoning. Yeah, yeah. So it got nope. an atropine drip. Yeah, yes, so, they yeah. did. All right, so obviously uh, I'm going to talk about some organophosphate poisoning because uh, I did a lot of research on it, and uh, I think I can uh, I can fake my way through it. Nice. 
Uh, any parts that you uh, think we should talk about? No, I just want to reiterate that um, I legitimately organically came to this conclusion without any help whatsoever. <laughs> or get nice. Yeah. 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 So I just want to yeah. point uh, point that out. So that's, uh, <laughs> the organically part actually wasn't meant to be a pun. And then I said it and you said nice. And I'm like, oh, organo. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is a good one. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah. I just want to point out that uh, I did it and, and I beat your fucking game, Saw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep, yeah, dude, you did. Or mm. Jigsaw, I think, was the killer's name in that movie. Yeah. Oh man, I was really trying to put in your brain through the paces. Uh, yeah. I was really hoping you had Novichok on it, but uh, you didn't. I didn't. So I did not. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess on to organophosphate poisoning, and then we'll uh, review the rest of the call and the parts that we normally do. Yeah. So, uh, first things first. A very quick history on organophosphate poisoning. Created in the late eight. No, uh, no, it's, it's really we created it because we hate bugs. They irritate <laughs> us. They make us sick. They ruin our food, our homes, yeah. and our day. And plus, there's like ten quintillion of them per my Google search of how many bugs are there on the planet. That well, is we- a one. With 19 zeros after it, Jesus. which is also something Google told me. You know what's funny is uh. <laughs> When you said we hate bugs, you mean you're like, yeah, I've seen Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Just organophosphate the whole the, solved. You don't yeah. even have to send people. Nuclear weapons were the wrong fucking thing. Uh, organophosphate anyway. poisoning is the way to go. Yeah, that's. Mm, yep. It would. <laughs> it would just be a guy going like, well, I would read their brain to tell them that they're afraid, but uh, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, but they're all dead. Yep. All right. Uh, I can tell you ha- after having lived in a tropical area that like after the 50th fucking mosquito bite, you start getting desperate for solutions, including scorched earth style ones, which brings us to our topic, organophosphates. Uh, so, yeah, originally created as an insecticide, but it turns out you tweak it a bit and it makes a devastating nerve nerve agent for people as well. Uh, from my reading, the Nazi German scientists uh, were the first to really kind of figure this out and started making nerve agents. And then the rest of us for the rest of the world were like, uh, yeah, we should, too. Until, you know, more recently, we've all been like, ooh, yeah, nah, to the whole thing, because, yeah, they're really fat. <laughs> not yeah. like melt, not melt your face and stab yourself in the heart bad, like in the movie The Rock, but yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, so yeah, they're bad. Okay. There are several types of organophosphate insecticides that we like still use in the United States and more worldwide and also, you know, nerve gas. So that's, that's there too. All right. Well, how do they work? Again, like there are different variations and types, but they all basically work under the same mechanism. They bind with an enzyme, acetylcholinesterase, whose job it is to break down the neurotransmitter acetylcholine at the receptors where uh, they're taking an action. So that blockage, the blockage of that enzyme, uh, leads to an overabundance of acetylcholine at those receptors, which, you know, is super bad, clinically speaking, for, you know, bugs and also us. Yeah. Sounds All right. Bad. So 
let's go into a little bit of the physiology. We know that neurotransmitters are essentially like messages from nerves to other nerves or cells like muscle cells or to glands, you know, like, Hey, produce stuff or Hey, do a thing, <laughs> do your thing. or, or Hey, don't do a thing. Cause that's also a thing that they do. Um, they're stored at the end of a neuron called the axon terminal, and they release neurotransmitters into a space called the synaptic junction. Uh, where the target receptors lie waiting for the messages to arrive. So would an example of a neurotransmitter be like norepinephrine or epinephrine? How about epinephrine going up to a beta-2 receptor in the lungs and causing bronchodilation? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, acetylcholine triggering a nicotine receptor uh, at a muscular junction going like, hey, Move. I said move. Yeah. Contract. Yeah, exactly. Think of these transmitters as keys which fit into specific locks of the receiving target. They tell the target to, hey, do the thing. So excitatory or don't do the thing. Inhibitory or uh, change the thing you're doing. Like modulatory. Um, And again, while there are a lot of different neurotransmitters we could talk about, um, I'm just going to talk specifically about the cholinergic receptors, which are the targets that are excited uh, or inhibited by the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. So cholinergic receptors make up a significant portion of the autonomic nervous system, uh, predominantly the parasympathetic nervous system, though there are some crossover into the sympathetic. And really quick, really quick. I'm just going to. Yeah. I'm I'm going to brief everybody on those two on those two uh, systems. A lot of you guys know them. So sympathetic think is that it's like it feels bad for you because you're getting chased by a bear. And so it's going to go ahead and say like, hey, uh, I don't want you to get chased or eaten by a bear either. Uh, So we're going to make you super fast and we're going to cause a vasoconstriction uh, so your blood pressure can get up there, get blood to where it has to go. I'm going to dilate your eyes. I'm going to dilate your uh, your broncos, uh, your bronchioles uh, so you can get more air. Basically, like I am flooding you with epinephrine. That's the sympathetic system. Parasympathetic is the opposite. So sympathetic is the fight or flight. Parasympathetic, most people would call it the feed or breathe. And uh, that one is activated when you're not running from anything and it can slow down the heart and it can. uh, Yeah. So there you go. Yes. Parasympathetic is just basically not sympathetic. It goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So in that fight or flight, uh, by the way, that sympathetic nervous system is uh, like activated out of T1 between T1 and L2 in your spinal column. Um, And pre-ganglionic and it turns out that that's just a fancy word for uh prior to it hitting other nerves which trigger off other things mm-hmm. uh acetylcholine triggers nicotinic receptors but post-ganglionic so like now it's a nerve going from you know, it's like a nerve that hits another nerve and this now is the post-ganglionic nerve going out they release adrenaline and noradrenaline or okay. epinephrine and norepinephrine but in your sympathetic, uh, the excuse me, the parasympathetic, the relax, digest, poop, urinate, uh, ACH hits your nicotinic neuro and nicotinic uh, muscular and or muscarin receptors, and it just uses acetylcholine for all of it. So you mean so? Yeah, muscarinic. Uh, muscarinic, yeah, muscarinic, muscarinic. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's muscarin. 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 Yeah, yeah the, the, the drugs the kids do. Yeah. Grand Poupon. Yeah. 
<laughs> Grey Poupon, yes. Yeah. Um, and again, acetylcholine is also used uh, to like for voluntary motor movement. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a big deal of the neurotransmitters. All right. So what should happen is the axon terminal releases ACH to do things like, yo, we're sitting and eating a Twinkie and we need to digest that. So uh, your mouth makes saliva. The pancreas releases digestion juice and the smooth muscle in the gut get to work moving things along. And our pupils focus in on the delicious snack right in front of us. But because we don't just want to like salivate nonstop. The acetylcholine that was released to those targets gets broken down by that enzyme I mentioned earlier, acetylcholinesterase. Um, and then some chemistry happens and acetylcholine is no more. And then like the process gets restarted. Okay. All right. But now let's say some organophosphates get involved. We're sitting there eating a Twinkie and someone's put VX gas in our Twinkie. And God as we damn bite those it. VX gas Twinkies. <laughs> Right? That was the worst <laughs> flavor they came out with because they did have the chocolate flavor. They did chocolate and they actually did like a fruit flavored one with the filling. That, right, that's the, actually was true. It the, was it the Nova Choc flavor? Yeah. Well, that, no. Then they released Nova the chocolate. VX. Yeah. Nova chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Nova chocolate. It was. And it didn't. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> all right yeah so the strawberry chocolate strawberry flavor no, was no, terrible that, that was so no you won that's fine <laughs> nova chocolate nova chocolate twinkies there's a shirt <laughs> oh Oh, man. Yeah. So there we are. VX gas in our Twinkies and we bite it. We inhale or we've you know just eaten a bunch of unwashed fruit because, you know, we also want to be healthy. Yeah. And uh, we brought from a place that uses organophosphate insecticides. And so we've like touched all this fruit and we've eaten it. So now our body can no longer break down acetylcholine and the mess begins. Um, now, there's a range of onset of symptoms based on things like the type of exposure, the type of organophosphate. Some are like way worse than others. Uh, for instance, Novichok, which we've mentioned a few times, is eight times worse than VX gas, for example. Um, and there's other variables that I'm sure matter that I just don't know. Um, but most of the symptoms start within minutes but can also be as delayed, you know, uh, for hours or days. Um, and the effects can last for weeks. So what are the signs and symptoms we should look for? And interestingly enough, because acetylcholine is present in voluntary muscle movements, uh, parts of the sympathetic and hugely parasympathetic, you can see features from each of those. Um, a review of organic phosphate poisoning published in the Indian Journal of Critical Care Medicine found that in a majority of cases, the, the majority of symptoms were a predominant of muscarinic activation. So uh, it, it, we'll talk about that here. So you're going to see like some CNS shenanigans, uh, like seizures, alertness problems, memory problems, uh, anxiety, confusion. You're going to see an increase in stomach acid 
stomach acid production, uh, an increase of like stomach motility, uh, gland activity. So tears are produced. Insulin yeah. is produced. Mucus is produced. Saliva is produced. Did they Broncos- ever get a CVG on this guy? They did. 119. Okay. I just didn't write it down. Yep. Bronchosecretions were, are produced, and that's actually a very dangerous one uh, because, you know, now you're drowning in fluid. Um, smooth muscle stuff, uh, you're going to have your iris constrict, uh, so your pupils are going to shrink down. Your uh, bronchial, the, the bronchial constriction uh, that Chris had brought up earlier, that's going to be there. Uh, that GI motility is increased. Your bladder is released. Uh, your uterine contraction, if you have a uterus. Um, and then, like, your heart rate is going to slow because one of the primary effects of the parasympathetic is to slow the heart rate down. And so acetylcholine is going to go in there and just mm, slow that down. Uh, your atrial force is going to be decreased. And this can lead to hypotension and bradyarrhythmias. For more nicotinic, uh, the nicotinics, uh receptors, uh, somatic muscles, you can have paralysis, fasciculations, twitches, weakness. And a lot of that is just because it's like, yeah, there's where do we the, see somatic muscles? That, those are your voluntary muscles. So, gotcha. you know, muscle that you want to move. Uh, imagine it's like, you know, it, it's sort of like, uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's similar, but not quite the same succinacholine. Yeah. Fasciculations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like you're paralyzed because you can't like it's it's, it's blocked your ability to continue like be, to to break down the firing of those muscles. Um, so it's yeah, like it's that's the same sort of pr- principle here. It, it can't it can't trigger another contraction because the all the receptors are still filled. <laughs> so right, um, you're gonna have sweating. Uh, and that's actually a crossover with the sympathetic nervous system, but sweating uh, the, apparently the it, acetylcholine triggers that, uh, as well. Um, and then again, you're also going to have the activation of adrenal glands, releasing epinephrine and norepinephrine. So you can also have hypertension or tachycardias, but these things occur far less often, uh, in a review of, uh, patients with this. So, <clears throat> Let's talk about acronyms. Now, you know, that you and I grew up with the acronym of sludge, but it's actually probably not the best one. The best one that I've come Fuck across you, man, is- it worked on this. Don't, yeah, it did. I used sludge and I won. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's a better one. Uh, right. Dumbbells, uh, defecation slash diaphoresis, urination, meiosis, bronchospasm or bronchorrhea, yeah. emesis, lacrimation and salivation by the way bron- bronchorrhea in case anyone's curious what bronchorrhea <laughs> is it's diarrhea of the lungs uh, I'm <laughs> kidding. Yes. It, well okay it kind of is it, it's uh, basically you get uh, it's it's uh, secretions will increase down there like mucus production that's what yeah. bronchorrhea is so if anyone's like what the fuck is bronchorrhea it's uh that's that's what it is it like ri- ri- rhinorrhea is, is a runny nose yeah uh diarrhea yeah. is a runny butthole uh bronchorrhea <laughs> Is a runny, runny bronchioles. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I guess that one is a little bit better just because it includes the bronchospasm in there. And that's almost it, the same. It, 
no, no, no. It includes meiosis as well. The uh, pinpoint peoples. So the things that the, the thing that kills people the fastest, according to the literature, is respiratory failure, either by weakness or paralysis of the respiratory muscles or the fluid that fills up in their lung space. That sounds um, bad. Yeah, it's not good. No. Um, hospitals have labs that can look at cholinesterase activity, but really, like the predominant thing for us is getting a history and assessment and recalling like, wow, this person is incredibly sweaty. They've shit themselves. They're crying. They're right. You know, like just a lot of the secretions. That's, that's really sort of the thing that we, we have to recognize and then use those history assessments to, uh, you know, to, to back that up. Like you said, Um, because again, like for us in, you know, America, this is, this is really not a common thing. Um, yeah. You know, th- these are more common in, you know, developing countries where yeah, organophosphates are. Yeah, they are still used are, today yeah. in, in the U.S., yeah. though. But, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, they are, but just not as not to the degree that, uh, you know, like, uh, for instance, I have never encountered one of these calls. Have you, Chris? No, I haven't. This could look like, you know, g- gastroenteritis, you know, like, so you're like, I mean, I have definitely been sick to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm sweating with my fever while I vomit and at the same time have diarrhea. Like I've, <laughs> I've yeah. been in that spot. Um, you know, like it could also be, you know, like toxic, uh, like sepsis. Uh, this could be as, you know, like a p- weird presentation with a seizure, um, you know, like, or stroke, you know, those are all, you know, differentials that also could present in some fashion with some of these symptoms. Um, so yeah, it, it's this is kind of a this would be a difficult one without having you know uh, a good history there. Um, but since we brought up atropine, let's talk about treatment. So treatment number one is decontamination. Remove the point. Yeah, like you know if uh, if they're covered in you know a fine powder. Yeah, wipe it off. Wipe it off with your bare hands. <sighs> yeah. Actually, actually, what's even better is if it's a fine powder, just kind of uh, get down really close to the skin and just blow it off. Yes. Just let that aerosolize into your face. (laughs) If you can tell people to take their hands off the wheel, I can tell people to do this. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Remove all clothes. Wipe up the residue with your bare hands, as Chris recommended, uh, or your tongue. That's (laughs) that's good, too. Or your partner's tongue. (laughs) <laughs> partner's tongue is better. Uh, then you can get a new one. Uh, <laughs> Today's episode, how to kill your partner. <laughs> Don't worry. My preceptor taught me this. He's dead now, but. Uh, <laughs> Eat this. <laughs> uh, and then it's basic air, you know, air, airway breathing circulation. Uh, intubation might be necessary to support respirations, given that they, you know, could be very struggling to breathe because they have no muscles or their lungs are filled up with uh, fluid. Uh, they do recommend not to use succinylcholine uh, as it can result in prolonged paralysis, as it also needs uh, acetylcholinesterase to break down the uh, that drug. Shoot. Yeah. Um, uh, but like the really three big treatments are atropine, pralidoxamine or 2PAM, and then also benzodiazepines. Um, uh, 
So atropine actually should be given first to counter the muscarinic effects on the heart. Um, atropine works by competing with, uh, acetylcholine, uh, with acetylcholine at those receptors and then blocking their action. Um, so the result is like, yeah, it's going to dry up secretions. It's going to allow the heart to beat faster, you know, the atria to have more oomph. It's technical term. Uh, and, you know, the goal is to get the blood pressure up above 80 and to dry up those secretions. Um, if you don't have atropine, there, like Benadryl or ipotropium bromide, um, those can also be helpful because uh, ipotropium is basically atropine that you inhale. Um, but atropine is the main strip, is the mainstay. Nice. Um, uh, Tupam. This this is actually a really cool one. It works by reactivating acetylcholinesterase. And that's the um, enzyme. That is the enzyme. So essentially, it like kicks off the organophosphate, and uh, it's like, all right, do your job. I'm here now. It's nice. a manager that micromanages. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shows up. It's like, hey, yeah, are I you think working? A supervisor position open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's the today? Two Pam. Yep. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: in some cases, like sometimes it can't. Sometimes the like uh, there's a thing called aging, uh, or that it's aged, meaning that the change is irreversible. So uh, that enzyme will never work again. Uh, yeah. So that's bad times. Yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, in some cases it just can't because, like, for instance, doesn't work with uh, Nova Chocolate. Mm. <laughs> Nova Chocolate. Yep. Nova Chocolate. Yep. Uh, uh, and then there's also benzodiazepines, which are good for treating seizures that uh, that happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that is the full story on organophosphates. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. So I'm just, I just want to remind everyone that I got this right. Yeah, yes. No, Chris, we, we know. <laughs> I know, but I'm so happy because you, you were caught, like you wanted me to choke and I didn't. I even used I the wrong did. acronym and I got it right. Yeah. No, it's not the wrong acronym. It's just, there's a better one. That's yeah, all. Well, it's, it's, it's not the as good acronym. Um, so yeah, I think, so kind of just reviewing the call and the things they did. So the things I think that went uh, right is I did like their overall assessment with the one key point that I didn't care for. That was when the guy was awake. What did you do last night? Now, given, I don't know that this guy would have been able to answer, but yeah. like, I don't know. Um, but that would have been like the, the time to ask. Uh, so that, that sucks. But other than that, I do like the assessment. I like that they got on scene. They got a heart rate. They were really good about, you know, they noticed he was Tekipnik. They were really good about taking in the scene and how smelly and uh, apparently cold it was. You know, he had a low sats. They treated the low sats right off the bat. I think where things went off the rail a little bit for me is the delay in calling 911 or not. <laughs> <is> the... <laughs> The delay in calling for ALS, that yeah. is, uh, that, that to me was a little bit, a uh, little bit interesting because like, like I said earlier, when you don't have a history of seizures, suddenly, suddenly having a seizure, none of the reasons, none of the likely reasons for that are good. 
or our yeah. or our BLS. Almost all those are going to push that into the ALS category. So that's the part that I really question because the guy's like, well, I, I mean, I think he just might be postictal from a seizure. And it's like, yeah, but why? Like, why did he have a seizure? Because like, this isn't good. There's clearly more. The only time to me that you really can be blase about seizures is in patients with known history of seizures that have them all the time and they don't go to the hospital for them. And still, you yeah. don't want to be blase about it. You know, like you want to make sure that's the case. But those are kind of the only patients that you really shouldn't worry too much about like ALS stuff. Uh, anyone else you should. And I think this is what kind of bothered me a little bit about the call is you go into a room on a guy who has no history of seizures and there's just something clearly wrong with him. Like even even if he didn't have the seizure, even if you took that out of the picture, there's so many other things wrong with the guy. Like he's altered, he's defecated. It's really bad if he has the seizure and he doesn't have a history of epilepsy, you know? So. Yeah. So w when would you have called for, like, if you're this BLS crew, um, when, when do you think would have been a better time to call for ALS? Like, how would you go yeah. about that? You know, especially in a system where, you're, the BLS crew is sort of expected to you're like, Hey, we expect you to take patience. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that, um, and that's where, where it's kind of hard for me to really weigh in, weigh in on this a little bit. Cause I, and I have to admit, I got to weigh in I yeah. got, my, my weight on this or my opinion on this is coming from a position of never being in this position. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, here's what I can say. Is, so w when should they have called? Uh, when they got in there and the guy was altered and his heart rate was in the 50s. Because, I mean, And I think that even meets their own criteria and their own protocol, doesn't it? Uh, let's No, their heart rate is just greater than 120. Okay, so the, the, they don't That's have a lower criteria. limit on that? So heart rate of 34 yeah, is okay? <laughs> That's That's BLS. <laughs> well, I, yeah, All right. I, <laughs> well, apparently I made some assumptions that were wrong. Uh, but do they have also some altered LOC stuff in there too, or...? Uh, they do, but if you go by their protocol and, you know, they, and I think that's the thing is they, 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 they took that as a, like, the, it's like, okay, they're describing seizure like activity as, as, as that being a seizure. And so a one off seizure with mentation returning to normal equals BLS. Um, okay. And so I think that was sort of the thing they were, they were stuck on was, huh. okay, well, they described a seizure. The patient's GCS is eight, but they're in this postictal state. They're probably going to come around and I'll be, you know, then we'll okay. have more. So for this, hmm, for this crew in, the, in this position, I think they're just in a bad position because uh, unfortunately it sounds like they follow yeah. the protocols. So I've talked about this before, right? Where I've said like, hey, not every system gets to have ALS response every time, every rig. It's just not plausible for some yeah. systems. Um and I, I've often talked about like, hey, you have your available resources, which is by resources, I mean money. If anyone's really curious, I don't mean like oil, you know, like I'm not sitting there like, yeah, if you have oil yeah. and wood. <laughs> well, I mean, oil and, tends to lead then, to money for for some reason in our current environment. And but but there's there's a third leg of that that I don't talk about enough. So here's the thing. Your resources have to match the funding that you have. You know, you can't. Unfortunately, that's a fact of life. Um, but also your resources have to match the needs of your area. And and that's yeah. that's kind of the other thing. And so a lot of times when we see these systems with ALS chase cars, uh, it's like, yeah, they're an ALS chase car because ALS just isn't really needed, like needed, needed 
that much. There's a handful of calls out here. BLS can handle most of it. Uh, and, you know, even if every single one of them was ALS, wow, we got the stuff for it. And that's just kind of what our budget affords. But when your area starts getting large enough to have the ALS chase car just get reamed all day long, then you really need to look and be like, hey, are the resources matching the system? And then how do we fix the funding to where we can do that? Because this is these are the kind of things that are going to get missed. And these are the kind of things that are going to happen. And yeah, yeah, so that's. Yeah, I think I, I think what would I do if I was them? I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know. I can't answer that because I'm not them. I haven't been BLS only for a very long time. I always have the ALS toolbox, uh, you know, on my hip. I can say they've I can say they followed their yeah. own rules. Yeah. I, I this is sort of I think one of the problems uh here is you know, like in EMT courses, you know, three months, you know, or you know, three to six yeah. months, depending. Um, and I, you know, I don't think we covered organophosphates in that. That was a, something I learned in the paramedic course. And even then it was sort of like, oh yeah. And then there's this, uh, and then, you know, it's like, there's two pages and then you're like, all right. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, you, you tend to focus on what you run more yeah. often. And then these ones just become a, you know, once in a lifetime right. call. Um, and so like, you know, the ability for people to recognize it is, is, especially in, in situations like this is limited, you know, it's one of those, like, yeah, you don't know what you don't know until, you know, suddenly, you know, after <laughs> right. the fact, um, or if you're me, but I, you I, know, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, or you, yeah, yeah. Okay. Chris. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I think one of the, the other problems here is, you know, like if I'd showed up and it's like, yeah, this guy's. Heart rate's slow. They're unresponsive. There's seizure history. But, you know, again, speaking from my own perspective, uh, it's like, yeah, but there's no, like, they have no history of seizures. Okay, that's weird. You know, and then it's like, oh, they're super sweaty. God, I want to do it. Like, I want a 12 lead done. You know, like, those are the things that I kind of think of. And it's like, oh, if I'm BLS, I don't have that. And therefore, I need to call an ALS response. But it's... I think there is some reluctance in a system where you have ALS chase cars and you have, you know, providers who essentially you're giving work to, uh, who probably don't want work. Um, you know, like, cause we have this, and I brought this up in an episode a long time back about like how we internalize the response from nurses at an ER. When we bring them a patient, you were like, yeah, Hey, it's drunk Bill again, you know? Like, and they go like, God damn it. I don't want drunk Bill. And it's like, oh, and then it's like, we kind of walk away going like, well, they really were happy about the, the STEMI we brought in. Like no one pitched me any, like that clear cut patient. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, part of that is like, you know, that they're going to stop by the ER and then they're leaving, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, who doesn't like work that just is going to leave right away. (laughs) Both of those patients are deserving of being evaluated and treated, but one of them gets the eye roll and the other gets like an attaboy. And so like the message that we take away from the eye roll is like, uh, I, I shouldn't right. have done this because no one wants that, you know, and, and that doesn't feel good. And like, we often look up to the nurses and the doctors that we deposit people to, especially if we're new in the field. Uh, and so it can leave us wondering, like, should I have, like, did they really need to go? Especially if that person adds a like, ah, it's just another drunk. Like, yeah, that, that puts people in a mindset of looking for reasons that concerns aren't actually 
concerns. They, it's not something versus it actually right. being something. But I think the, the important thing to like remember is that this isn't about us. Uh, aside from the fact that we are the messenger, we're the delivery person of work. Um, but it's not, it's not about us. And it's, it's really what it is. It's like, this is, it's about doing good patient care and it's the grumpiness of having work thrust upon you that might not be necessary. And it's not, it, it's not your fault. It's like you didn't get the guy drunk and like have him fall and hit his head. I, you know, like that's the thing. It's like it, it, the people are just grumpy about work. It's they, in fact, they won't even remember you after the fact. Uh, they'll just be like, uh, EMS bringing us people who Need to be evaluated, but damn it. I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Um, And so, like, the ER does it to us. And I think ALS, it sounds like in this system that the ALS providers, uh, they can sometimes do that to the BLS. And, you know, and then, like, you know, we've seen EMS. I've I've been a part of it. I've been here long enough. I've seen, you know, been a part of it, like, EMS doing it to family members, like, so are you sure you saw what you said oh, yeah. you saw? Um, yeah. Or, you know, like nursing home staff when they're like, yeah, this is look at paper, Bob, <laughs> uh, you know, you're like, oh, you don't know anything about this person. Like we've all, you know, it's like, don't we all get that grumpiness of having like work thrust upon us. And this is just a good reminder that like that sets up people to fail. Because the, the people tend to, inter- a lot of people internalize yeah. that. So anyway, I'm going to step off my soapbox now. No, it's a good soapbox to be on, though. I just We got to kind of watch our body language a lot. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, that is kind of the big lesson on this one is that there is that it, it gosh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say really about the system yeah. because like I, I, I want to <laughs> be able to tell the crew they should have done better. By calling ALS sooner, but it sounds like the system really discourages that. So I don't know. I think I I, sometimes systems get to the point where where they're in the transition phase, right? Where it's like, hey, we know we need to get more ALS, but like this is how we know because things are busy and we have to change things. But uh, anyway, I I guess all I say is I hope things change. Yeah, I I think the system fix here is that uh, everyone individually just recognizes that we have this ability to do this. You can make someone's day shitty by when they call you for help being shitty, or you can not by, you know, just swallowing your grumpiness and and going like, hey, or if someone's shitty to you, go like, ah, it's not about me. Yeah. They suck. Or like on a a system level, I mean, encourage more. I mean, I hate to say this because I I know there's probably ALS providers in that system. They're like, do not say what you're about to say. But I would just say (laughs) like, uh, adjust the system protocols to, uh, you know, like at least change. Like, hey, if it's a one-time seizure, it's BLS. If they have a history of seizure, like add that caveat in there. Otherwise, please don't. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So anyway, well, all right. That was a good episode and we got through it. Yeah. We're both super sick. I apologize to anybody if this is a lesser quality episode. It's only about half the length as the last one. Um, but so half the half the half the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's that won't be the case. <laughs> that's that's what that's that's what it's going to be. Uh, well, well, I hope so. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Down With The Sickness with uh, me, Chris, and that's uh, Spencer. Uh, if you would like to, and we would like you to, you can follow us on social media. We are EMS20 slash 20 on Facebook and at EMS2020 show on Instagram. Each and every episode, including this one, is going to get its own post on our social media. So you can come talk to us about it. Uh, tell us how right we were, how wrong we are, how everything should be ALS ch- chase cars. Uh, and everything should be BLS. Um, tell, tell us all that. Yep. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Rapid Sequence Information, RSI. It's on YouTube. We have some fun stuff on there for you guys. That's a little bit away from what we do here. It's just kind of whatever we want to do on there. If you actually want to see Spencer and I live together, we are we are on there now on one of the episodes. You can see what we look like. Um, psh, go over to GuardianCME.com and get free continuing education. Uh, you can listen to our stuff and uh, yeah, get free continuing credit hours. If you've already listened to this entire episode and it's not on GuardianCME.com, then you'll have to listen to it again. But... <laughs> They didn't take the test afterwards, but I don't know. Play a video game in the background while it plays. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do for, you know. No, 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 no. You pay attention. <clears throat> you pay. Well, but if you already listen to the content, then then Cap C gets what they want out of it, right? Anyway, yep. so, yeah, listen. Exactly. Pay attention. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, yep. nudge, nudge. Yeah, go, go to Guardian CME. Uh, but also there's other episodes on there of ours, not just this one. So if you haven't listened to every episode we have yet, you can go check them out on Guardian CME and get some CAPC accreditation. They are edited versions. They're a little bit different than what you hear here uh, in the sense that we swear less. But uh, there's that. And God, what else? Is that all the plugs? Is that everything? I think that's everything. All right. Oh, and also, if you want your call to be on this show for at least the next couple of weeks, you can send that email to ems2020podcast at gmail.com. But soon it will be a form you fill out to make our lives easier. And with that, everybody, uh, yeah. What? That way we can actually see your calls. Yeah. Yeah. They'll <laughs> actually show up. I mean, they do show up right now, but just a mass pile of garbage yeah. that comes coming through there. Not that your calls are garbage. I'm not saying that. You guys actually send in a lot no, of good stuff, no. but Google no, filters yeah. them. Yeah, Sometimes. Google filters them and then it lets in other things like, hey, do you want to sell Alex Jones style nutrition? Right. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, spot. I, 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 here's the thing. This is what I do want you guys to know. If they are an EMS 2020 sponsor, they have gone through a lot. Like, because we're, we, we do shoot down quite a bit of, uh, of things because we're not going to sell you guys crap. Like that's a great way to get, uh, to lose advertising dollars when you just, when you Joe Rogan this and sell anything <laughs> that anybody gives you because we're not Joe yeah. Rogan. We can't afford to lose a hundred thousand people <laughs> because they actually bought whatever energy drink we were peddling. So if we are, right. if we are, if we are saying go to Guardian CME to get free continuing ed- education, we mean it because we've gone there and we know those guys and like we vet that. It's like we know that yeah. product. So we're not ever going to be like, hey, or like when we did stuff with LifeFlow, like we researched it. We're like, okay, yeah, this has a use case and let's, uh, let's do it. But then we get these things where someone's like, hey, I make an all natural squeezed out of gophers energy drink. And I think it'd be a great fit on your podcast. Cause you guys are like health people. Yep. And I just want to be like, no, we didn't even respond. No. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I'm sad cause that's money that I'm turning away, but at the same time, it brings me joy to be like, 
No, no, I'm, I'm not, not selling bullshit. I'm not, not going <laughs> to Well, okay. I look at it this way though. It's money. It's short term money. We're turning away because the moment we lose the trust of the listeners, then it's no money yeah. because no, because people are gonna be like, yeah, I'm glad you have a really good reach, but nobody trusts you. And we sold nothing after advertising with you. So thanks for nothing dicks. So yeah. So yeah. no, it's, it's, People that sell anything that's a short-term grab, we're not going to do that to you guys. Uh, whatever. Uh, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. Where, where's my NyQuil?